Have you smelt it? Have you smelt it too? That, that, oh, that scent, that peculiar little whiff in the air. It first it, it creeps its way into our nostrils, and next it's 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 in our awareness, and then and then maybe it ventures down into our memories and teases our recollection of past seasons. It's hard to describe, you know. It feels like it's in the family of of charcoals or embers in a dying fire, sort of waiting excitedly to be lit again, except except those same charcoals and embers are like packaged and sold by a Christmas tree shop or something like that. It's, it's that, it's that winter smell in the air. You go outside either early morning or like when the sun is setting, it's that time of day where it's just, it's not, it's not light anymore. It's just, it's in that weird gray zone and the air starts telling you, look, buddy, friggin' sunk sack of flesh walking around it's getting cold soon you smell that that's the smell of cold time of winter time and i'm and i'm and i'm wondering i'm wondering how you feel when you when you get that smell because for me it was like a it was like it was either late october early november and i I went out was just like whoa i forgot what that was like and we do every year we forget what it's like so how do you feel now? How do you feel now about that smell, that transition, that impending doom of dark, cold, snowy days? Do you feel excited? Do you feel nervous, dreadful, cozy maybe, young again perhaps? Maybe you're grateful that the heat is leaving or maybe you're aroused by that sort of uh, cozy time. You got layers on, you're bundled up, socks, fires, hot drinks, you know, it's it's hot, right? But it's also cold. Maybe you're tired. Maybe it's a fun fusion of a bunch of different adjectives. Maybe it depends on the day. I went on a walk, or no, I was walking while on a run. <laughs> and I was going in, um, we have these cemeteries in my town, and there's one particular cemetery that it doesn't look to be all that robust. But when you go back in, it's got this sort of maze-like aura to it there's different paths some are paved some are wooden not wooden dirt cars will be driving there's leaves there's trees there's little those cool little kind of huts in a cemetery those stone buildings you're like who who's in there who's important enough to be in there you know what i mean and i'm back there and i stop and i'm looking at these leaves kind of slowly falling and i think to myself i said when did i stop feeling the change of seasons, probably around about the same time that I started hunting for reasons to exist beyond just good old-fashioned bliss, right? And I wonder if other people feel that way, that sense of loss coupled with potential as the seasons are changing. Recently, I took a walk with my dog, Chloe. She is a dear, dear friend of mine, and we usually do the same sort of route, and it's usually the one with the most sniffs for her fabulously powerful hunting nose. And on this particular walk, though, we pass by this rather rather large pile of leaves, and I had this strange moment there on the street alone, except for Chloe, and, you know, she doesn't do much soaking it all in. Uh, in general, because she's a dog, but you know, 
And so I'm sitting there and I had this moment alone almost where I, I questioned when, when was the last time I gleefully leapt into a pile of leaves for no other reason than because <laughs> that looks awesome. And I couldn't remember and I couldn't even muster up a memory. And, and then I felt this brief but profound sense of loss a sense of loss for my inner child, a sense of loss for the neighborhood friends that I used to spend ages with some eons ago, a sense of loss for the ability to simply indulge in the most meaningless, productivity-free activities, namely, friggin' jumping in a pile of leaves. So I'd already walked beyond this leaf pile, while having these feelings and thoughts. And I decided against, against, you know, I don't know, against something to turn around and go back. What? You, you're on a, you're walking one direction, you turn around and change direction. That's crazy. What if someone saw you? What if they were like, what's this guy doing? Yeah, I thought about that and I overcame it. I said, I don't care what people think. So I walked back and I walked right up to the pile's perimeter, turned around and trust fell right into her cold, crispy embrace. And of course, Chloe jumped in too with me. She's like, what? This is, this is different. What are we doing? What are you, why are you, what are you, why are you in there? Let me, you know, let me, let me participate. That's what dogs are doing. They just want to participate. Oh my God. And that smell, right? You know it. Like you can't, you, maybe you can't muster it up, but you know it when it's there. That smell of leaves, that crunch, that little tickle happening all sorts of places on your body that almost warmth the safety of it you're just like hugged by all these leaves just chilling there and then you get those kind of like giggles like oh what am I doing right you know you know what I mean it's awesome it's awesome oh how I yearn oh how I yearn for those sights and those smells inhaled then through nostrils of mine as a child but now I'm impaled by gospels of man. I'm defiled, you know? Christ, you can't even sit and enjoy something anymore. Someone's like, well, well, what do you think about, what do you think about this thing that has no relevance to your life, nor will it ever, but it's going to depend a lot about how I perceive you for the coming future uh, because uh, 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 this opinion that you should hold on this thing that you knew nothing about before today is going to determine your worth. It's just a bunch of that now, you know? I'm sick of that. I'm sick of it! Anyways, there's this guy um, called Hercules. Guy called Hercules. Um, he's probably the same one you're thinking about. Famous old uh, Greek warrior. And Hercules won a lot of battles. A lot of battles. Like, pretty much all of them, I think. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if he ever lost. And there's a particular battle that... I would like to talk to you about and this particular battle featured in not the battle itself obviously um, but me talking about the battle like I am right now it featured in my my college my collegiate um, capstone project I did a little presentation in front of our faculty friends family etc yeah you know I had to throw some Greek mythology in there because people would be like what are you talking about and then I and then I told them just like I'm gonna tell you right now so Hercules one day he's walking around and uh, he stumbles across this guy called Antaeus. Now, Antaeus 
was an interesting character in himself. He, I'm pretty sure, was part giant, and his mother was Gaia. Gaia, Gaia. The uh, If you don't know, Gaia is the Greek mythological mother of all Earth, basically. She's pretty much the realest one out there. Strongest, OG, first one to do it, made the Earth, own two hands, real, real like old, almighty creator type level. So Antaeus is a real deal. And if Gaia wasn't enough, his dad was Poseidon, one of the big three, god of the seas, which we all know this is a blue planet. The seas is pretty much everything. So this man Antaeus was birthed by the mother of the land and the father of the seas. He was He's the love child of earth itself. He is the fusion of the forces that exists in 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 symbiosis all the time right it's crazy the land be just moving around on molten rock and stuff the oceans be just eating things up making islands all sorts of creatures crazy stuff going on out there crazy stuff so we got Antaeus and Antaeus as you probably guessed is a phenomenal fighter dude is a wrestler never lost like never lost like he was sweeping everybody they come up to him they say oh you don't look that tough bro knock him to the ground Guess what? Guess what is a guess what the feature of the child of the earth mother is? That's right. Anytime he touches back to earth, anytime you knock him to his knees and his hands are digging in the mud and he's spitting blood, he's actually recharging his energy. He's recharging his strength straight from the source, straight from the mother of earth. That's in his blood. He is endowed with the ability to take the energy around him from any environment he's in and turn it into physical prowess and an overwhelming force against his enemies it's crazy this dude was striking people out left and right not even a not even a sweat was broken well maybe it was so anyways hercules comes along and this guy antaeus being the um egotistical fellow that he was rightfully so i might add he says oh this guy's pretty tough we'll kick his ass <laughs> And so he goes and he challenges Hercules to a fight. And Hercules, also the greatest to ever do it, was like, yeah, let's go. Thinking, you know, I'll, I'll beat this guy. And he knocks him to the ground over and over and over again. And no matter how many times he did it, Antaeus would continuously just get up, get up, get up, and keep fighting and keep fighting. And that tenacity is what broke every one of his opponents up to this point. And, but Hercules is different. He's not like all the other opponents. He's, he's, he's got a head on his shoulders. He's not all brawn, no brains. He's got a little bit of thinking going on up there. So he says, oh, this seems like I, every time I push this guy down and he gets down in the mud, he just gets a little bit stronger. That kind of sucks. Kind of like a Hydra situation here. Chop off one head, they grow two more. So what does Hercules do? He does the exact opposite. He says, oh, I ain't going to knock you down. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to grab you tightly with both arms macho man hug style squeeze as hard as i can rip you up into the air pull you up off 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 the ground so that you are no longer touching toe to earth yeah yeah you can probably guess what happens after this antaeus gets absolutely wiped in fact he gets his back cracked by a hug like he can't even do anything he's sitting there squirming like a newborn babe that just fell on the ground and 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 mom and dad had picked up too quick getting all nervous and they accidentally crushed it and that's what hercules did to antaeus he said no sir you aren't recharging i'm going to sever your connection with the land that nourishes you and i'm going to destroy you destroy you right 
And so now you might be asking yourself, that's all well and good. Thank you for the history lesson. But what the hell are you talking about? And I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So this brings me to my point. Um, you can hear me flipping some pages because I'm about to uh, make my point using someone else's words, which is super fun because it takes so much of the effort out of it, right? Um, so just give me a moment here to, to get to my page. Ah, here we are. This is uh, a quote from my man, Bill Bryson. He's an author of a lot of different things. So, yeah, go read him or whatever. But this quote is from um, page 200 of A Walk in the Woods, which blockbuster banger of a book turned into a movie. You know, he's famous or whatever. And as he's closing out this chapter, he makes a very interesting and I think truthful observation. He says, in America... Alas, beauty has become something you drive to, and nature an either-or proposition. Either you ruthlessly subjugate it, as at Tox Dam and a million other places, or you deify it, deify it? Treat it as something holy and remote, a thing apart, as along the Appalachian Trail. Seldom would it occur to anyone on either side that people and nature could coexist to their mutual benefit. Huh. That, say, a more graceful bridge across the Delaware River might actually set off the grandeur around it, or that the Appalachian Trail might be more interesting and rewarding if it wasn't all wilderness, if maybe from time to time it purposefully took you past grazing cows and tilled fields. What he is pointing out here is this, this I don't know how to describe it because it, it's, it's pretty unprecedented as far as um, natural history and, and human history goes. We as animals, because that's what we are, don't care what your beliefs are, you are an animal uh, with the same rules and, and, and things that apply to you that all other living animals do. You are fundamentally tied to the land that you inhabit. And, and amazingly, we can use the land we inhabit to feed ourselves, energize ourselves, fulfill our, our sort of unique quest for meaning as humans. Um, nature is talked about in the modern world as this separate entity, as this, oh, let's go outside and, and do something about that. <laughs> We spend, as Americans, we spend 95% of our time indoors, 95%. And maybe the actual statistic is 90% of our time indoors, but the other uh, 5% includes vehicles. So a mere 5% of our time in this country, at least, is spent outdoors, truly outdoors. And what this myth of Hercules and Antaeus beautifully highlights is the relationship we have with nature almost entirely determines all other relationships that we can have, whether with ourselves, whether with other humans, with other animals, with other biomes and ecosystems, even maybe other planets and solar systems if we ever get to that point. But at the end of the day, 
no matter how intellectual, no matter how digital, no, how, no, no matter how many different spaces we can create, we as humans are tied to our environments. And there is no other, there's no denying that. Everything comes from the earth. All of our food, all of our technology, all of our resources, all of our n- knowledge and, and so-called all of our so-called civilization and, and progress and advancements, they didn't come from us. They, they were completed in tandem with the natural world and natural laws and all these things. And so what Bill Bryson is, is touching on is our, our huge disconnect of just the sheer potential that we have as a higher intelligent species with, with the know-how and the technology and the community and the cooperation to absolutely maximize our potential, uh, both health-wise and, and artistically and, and spiritually on this earth with these lands. It's, it's mind-boggling. Winter had this mystique about it as a kid for me. School ski trips, holidays, gifts, family gatherings, sledding, snow piles, forts, and watching dogs relearning how to run in seven inches of freaking pow pow, you know? And maybe that's New England stuff. But more recently, um, as I look on, uh, at my life and my development, I realize that I've spent, you know, the beginning of my adulthood in a city where winter was all but fun and, and cheery. It wasn't something to celebrate. It was like, oh, crap, now... How am I going to park? The streets are going to be disgusting. It's just going to be slimy and gross and, and nobody's having a good time. Plus, the allure of college kind of keeps you detached from the changing of seasons, I think. You know, it's not winter time. It's, uh, it's midterms or it's finals. It's, it's not, you know, Christmas break or, or winter break. It's fun time off. It's a seasonal job. It's seeing your hometown friends. It's all these things that it's not that they disallow you from from seeing what's going on to to the land around you but it's just it just offers other things to pay attention to other distractions that maybe humans of old didn't necessarily have you you could not separate yourself from the the changing temperatures and the changing weather you had to prepare with food you had to stock up you had to make sure you could stay warm you had to have firewood there, there was no escaping the preparation for seasons, but there are a lot of escapes now. I mean, I worked at this golf club the past few months and the majority of the members there just moved down south for the wintertime. Like we, we as humans have this phenomenal capacity now to say, no, I don't really, I don't really jive with that entire climate region. I'm just going to go to another part of the world. That's a, that's a phenomenal power that we have. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's a magical thing, but something can be can be good and also have unintended side side effects and consequences and and one of those consequences in my view is that as individuals collectively we are so tapped out of of what's happening around us naturally and 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 why maybe ourselves are changing maybe your skin is changing maybe your your sinuses are getting clogged all these things are happening to your body and and it can be easy to say well you know it's a change of the seasons but Maybe not. Did did everyone suffer seasonal cold flus? Did everyone, you know, always have the same pains and rashes when the wintertime comes? Who knows? Who's to say? But I would I would I would hope 
that no, I would hope that there's a way that we can can balance ourselves out with the seasons as they come and as they go and and be more intentional about the way we interact with our own bodies and the way we interact with the bodies, quote unquote, of, of the lands around us and, and the temperatures and the weather bodies, you know, all these bodies that are interacting all the time. We can recognize them and we can do something about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, yeah, duh. Like, oh, what? You can... You can, you know, recognize input and output and change one to get it. Yeah, obviously, right? But why would we when I can just, you know, watch people wakeboard in Turks and Caicos all winter long and feel bad about where I am and hate where I live when I could, oh, all these other people living in tropic. It's crazy. It's crazy with, the, with the, the spaces we inhabit, you know? But anyways, a couple months ago, more or less, I, I stumbled upon this book. And when I say stumbled upon a book, I didn't. It was a crazy thing, but that's for another time. This book found me. You know, that's how I feel. This book found me for not just the reasons I'm about to describe, but the whole sort of whole, whole thing, you know? But anyways, stumbled on this book, and uh, it was October. All right, fine, I'll tell you part of the story. I'll tell you part of the story. It was October. I was with some of my bestest friends in the world, and we were on a fun trip. We were out in the mountains, and it's cold, and we're camping, and we're doing all these things. And the way back, we're hitting some shops, and we, we passed a, an antique store, and I was like, shit, and I was driving, so I pulled a U-turn, pulled into a lot, went there, and we look around the shop, they have books and clothes and, you know, knickknacks and things, and on the way out, I hadn't found anything, found a shirt, it was cool, but on the way out, they had this little box, and it just said free books, I was like, what? A business that sells books right inside this door chose to just randomly pick books to give out for free outside the store it was crazy blew my mind so of course i had to look in it of course i found two books one of which was this book i'm holding right now called october light written by john gardner and if you know me you know i was born in october and if you know me you know i'm the light of my freaking world so obviously i had to pick up this book and i did and i read it and i loved it and there's a bunch of sticky notes in it and one of the biggest things that it it did for me was just sort of open my eyes to a very close to home way of living. And when I say close to home, I mean it takes place in Vermont in around the 1970s era. And I live in New Hampshire, so Vermont is just a hop skip away. And so it's this different place and this different time with these characters who are farmers and, and that's their trade. And so it, this is a world that I really don't have any insight into. So that alone was really interesting for me. But it gave this beautiful, it, interwoven in the story, they gave these beautiful excerpts almost on, on winter. And they, they described seasonality and, and symbiosis with seasons in a way that was just so direct. At least it felt direct. Obviously, I, I don't know how true anything is since I'm not a farmer. But that is all to say I'm going to read it to you. And... Um, you know, this is just a practice for when I like narrate audiobooks for the rest of my life as passive income. But here we go. This is an excerpt from October Light by John Gardner. Thank you. It was early, but dark as a pit outside. When they happened to look out, turning from the oval wooden table near the bar, it seemed to them all, one way or another, a surprising and vaguely unnatural thing. Though they'd seen it every year of their lives that sudden contraction of daylight in October. The first deep down convincing proof 
that locking time, and after that winter and deep snow and cold, were coming. Whether or not they cared for winter, some claimed they did, some claimed they didn't. Every one of them felt a subdued excitement, a new aliveness that was more, in fact, than just the seasonal change in their chemistry. Summer, for all its beauty on those mountain slope farms, meant backbreaking work, long hours on the tractor where you struggled against the stiff upgrade pole of the steering wheel and fought till you ached against the jerk and jab of the plow lift lever as the plow points skittered over stones. And then later in July, it meant having bales in the still, dead heat, with bees all around you, first cousins to the fairies, but nothing magical about a swarm of impinged-on bees in a dry, hot haylot in July. No magic in anything except, perhaps, to the tourists who came like a plague of locusts and had time to watch the otters in the high mountain streams or the foal in the shadow of the barn. August was cooler, though still high summer, so cool in the morning and evening at times, especially those mornings and occasional evenings when mist filled the valleys, that it was best to have a fire in the wood stove. But August meant even more work than before, still hay to get in, but also sweet corn, potatoes, and tomatoes, and now wheat and oats, grain sacks to throw, your eyes and ears and nostrils full of dust, harsh chaff in the cracks around your neck. Late August, although still grain harvest time, it would drag through September, was the time of carnivals and village fairs, church suppers, all-day auctions, and demonstrations by the volunteer fire department. It was the time of respite before the air turned whiny and the field corn came in, and then the busiest harvest of all, apples. The state had been rich in them since long before the revolution. Even in deep woods, you'd come across old apple trees still bearing away, half-forgotten species like pound sweets and snow apples. Shit. Old book, you know. Now, in October, the farm work was slackening. The drudgery had paid off. The last of the corn went flying into the silo with a clackety roar and a smell as sweet as honey. The beans were harvested in half a day, like an afterthought. On the porch and out by the roadside stood mountains of pumpkins. The trees turned, those along the paved roads first, dying from the salt put down in winter. Sugar maples orange, pink, and yellow on one branch, Elm trees, pale yellow, birch trees speckled with a lemony yellow, still other trees, carmine and vermilion and ochre, red maples as red as fresh blood. Soon, any time from mid-October to the end of November, it would be locking time. It began as a suspension of time altogether. Rudyard Kipling saw it in Brattleboro in 1895 and wrote, There are seasons... Excuse me. There, the seasons stopped a while. Autumn was gone. Winter was not. We had time dealt out to us. More clear, fresh time. Grace days to enjoy. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Grace days to enjoy. Days kind of stuck out from the normal seasonal labels the time in between summer 
well, actually more in between autumn and winter, they described as locking time. It, it, it's a part of the year where it's not a season, but it's nature telling you in all sorts of different ways, hey, look, things are about to change big time. We're going to get ready. So you can watch us get ready and maybe get ready yourself. But either way, same, th- same thing's going to happen. And I really liked this description and I wanted to share it because it just, it, 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 so, it was so straightforward, so plain. Like, oh, obviously, like this month is for this crop. This month is for this type of work. And as this month comes around, this type of work phases out and this comes in. And it's a really amazing thing as a young, modern American human to think about work in such a lofty, no, not lofty, in such a Im, hmm, impermanent way, I suppose, because a lot of jobs that we have now are, are your job year-round. It's, it's what you do. You work at a restaurant, you work for an accounting firm, you, anything between. A job is a job, and we live in a time where it doesn't matter what's going on outside. Like You can still get your work done. And that's a beautiful thing in a lot of ways, but in, in some other ways, it's it's not maybe. And um, someone I worked with at the golf club, I asked her, I was like, kind of jokingly, and I was at the time I was pondering this sort of topic that I, I wanted to explore. And I was like, when like when was the last time? Like, do you notice? Just basically saying, you know, we're in November. Some days are warm, et cetera. Like, winter's coming. Like, when did when was the last time you you noticed things changing? And she looks at me, she's like. Uh, I don't. I just work. <laughs> and she said it so matter-of-factly and obviously, and I chuckled. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel that 100%. Whether it's school, whether it's a job, we don't need to care. We don't need to. And maybe you do, um, but at least from my perspective, I have the luxury of not having to change much about my lifestyle, at least by all appearances on the surface, um, when the seasons change. And that's it's such a crazy thing to, to, to be an animal and to just be able to like look outside and be like, eh, not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. I still got the grocery store open. I can click my heat on. I could bundle up with my heated blanket, weighted blanket, whatever. Like we can do those things and it's amazing. But at the same time, little chipmunks are still out there religiously gathering acorns, filling a hole with them, and then they are going to sit on that pile of acorns and asleep through the entire winter. They did their work. They did their work. Summertime, spring, they're like hustling every single day, just getting their work done, surviving, thriving, mating, whatever you're going to do. And then winter comes and they just, they just, all right, shit, we're chilling now. We are relaxing. Not a single thought is going through their head. Now imagine that. Imagine an existence where you could just totally clock out for a, for like a five month period depending on where you are in the world five months that's almost half the year you can just say i i've done that we're good let me just charge up keep my energy like it's a beautiful thing it is an absolutely beautiful thing because when you think about life that shit is hard (laughs) nothing about living creatures makes sense we we shouldn't be able to to be alive so easily because the ingredients for life are seemingly so rare in the universe yet here we are we can push ourselves to the limit like life 
is so rare, but it's also so hard to kill life. Like to even if nuclear bombs went off everywhere in the earth right now, like something would something would make it, and then something would bring everything back. Like it's crazy the tenacity that life has, and and it's you know it's like a human. Like what what do we love about human stories? Humans are persistent. We can beat aliens because we work together. Like all these stories we tell about ourselves of this amazing resilience in this human spirit and, and, and persistence, determination. These are qualities of the natural world. They are not our own. They are from the the, the stuff that makes us up. It is imbued. It, 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 it comes with the package. It's a package deal. You know, you're alive. You will have the capacity to strive. And that came off the tongue perfectly. But anyways, I think that What's beautiful about acknowledging winter is that you're acknowledging the necessity of rest. You're acknowledging the necessity of, of time off, of, of turning the dial down, of lowering the volume, allowing motion to slow down everywhere, not just, you know, the air physics of, of particles moving quickly. But that's kind of what it is, right? Like hot air is air where the particles are moving fast. They have high energy. And cold air is when they're moving slowly. They're chilling, low energy. And the crazy opportunity that we have as a human that feels the impacts of winter, maybe you don't. So shut the hell up. Go listen to something else. But we have this opportunity to say, okay, outdoors, I see you telling me to slow it down. I'm going to listen to you. But we also have the opportunity to say, I don't give a flying fadoodle. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And that's an interesting thing. And I'm not trying to convince you of anything here, I don't think. All I'm trying to do is is broaden the conversation on winter because it's really just we just be we we're in such a fascinating situation. And I think, you know, it's just worth talking about. So yeah, right? We're in a time where seasons are socialized and commercialized. It can be so easy to fall victim to the excitements or depressions of the people around us when it comes to seasons. Like, oh my God, it's summer. Oh, I've been waiting this, waiting for this for all winter. I've been working out, get my summer bod. I'm excited to go, you know, live it up and do fun activities. But, you know, maybe you're over here literally at the pits of despair and you're like, why would I want summer right now? Why would I want the the weather and the entire outdoors to go against my mood and my inner world? Why would I want these horrible, dark pits of of, of sadness within me to be, mirrored by sunny happy days that sucks that's horrible i want the whole world to be sad with me maybe you don't feel that way and then maybe on the flip side it's winter and you're like you're at the peak you're like oh my god i feel amazing i've been doing so many great things for my health my career my relationships but meanwhile everyone's like oh it sucks winter back to school oh these things it's cold and snowy i hate it i want to move somewhere else blah 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 blah. and that can be kind of like oh shit that sucks but I'm here to tell you, it doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter a jiffy. Like you can, you can take the seasons in whatever stride you want, and it's amazing that you have that power. But I caution you that there is a wrong choice. Maybe not the wrong choice, but there is a destructive choice. There is a constructive choice, and and maybe there's multiple of each type. You know, there's not just one good one, whatever. But it's it's up to you. You know, Maya Angelou said. <laughs> I'll be cracking myself up. Maya Angelou said, if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, 
great example would be the seasons. You can't change those. If you can't change it, change your attitude about it. And that's some bars. And that's, uh, you know, pretty widely applicable. But uh, anyways, from my view, you know, this problem, problem, this uh, situation that I'm sort of outlining here, our overall disconnection with nature, lack of awareness of seasonal change, and lack of uh, tapping into the potential of that seasonal change, both uh, spiritually, health-wise, and, you know, blah, 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 I think a lot of it comes from, you know, transnational and international commerce, where th- there's no such thing as, you know, a food that you can't have when you want to have it. And, and for hundreds and thousands of years of human history, you got to eat what the land gives you. That's about it. There's no, oh, I feel like this today. Oh, I feel like having some some of this. Mm, it's not really my thing today. I think I'm going to want something a little different. Bro, that is the craziest like luxury ever to be able to like choose what you want to eat at any time and then just sort of like not finish it because you're just not jiving with it. Like it's crazy, bro. It is winter time. It is time to stock up it is time to make sure that you have resources to survive until the spring otherwise you're gonna die that's why in american history you always say like oh congratulations jamestown made it through a winter like making it through a winter was an accomplishment making it through a winter was beating the odds making it through a winter was overcoming death spitting it at his face and saying no 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 not today not not this year, at least. Maybe next year. <laughs> try again next year, but I'm going to try again. Like, that's what we did. And I don't know about you, but damn it if that doesn't build something in you. Damn it if that doesn't build resolve and character and, and tenacity and gratitude most prominently. Like, how grateful are you for the spring when you have been suffering all winter? Like, say what you want about suffering and bad feelings, but bro, that shit is necessary to even have the good ones. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong because you don't know a thing about what feels good. You don't know a thing about lying in the sun unless you have laid in the darkness and shivered. Anyways, I was a little intense. <laughs> but seriously, like we can eat anything at any time. And it, it, it what it does is it makes us, it creates this illusion that we can just do whatever but we can't like all those things so people are working so hard to allow for that in the background and we as individuals don't have the ability to see that and not that we need to be acknowledging this all the time but stop and think for a second like whoa i am (laughs) it is less than freezing out right now and i'm warm I got some hot coffee and wine next to me, um, and I can go downstairs to my fridge and pantries and probably eat a meal that I could have eaten any time of the year, and because that's just the way it is. And 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 again, you know, I'm not gonna damn that, but damn, consider something else so that maybe you can appreciate the status quo a little bit more. Um, oh, my candle just went out. Um. I don't even think I started talking about what I want to talk about. Like, God damn, I can't do this anymore. Winter's coming. Ugh, I'm going to be so depressed with the sun setting so early. But what else changes for you, I wonder? Think about this. What else changes for you in the wintertime, if anything? Does uh, work maybe stays the same? Bars are open the same? Maybe if you go to a club, the coat check fills up, and that's annoying. Uh, and maybe... 
your going out chapstick and your at home chapstick get mismatched in the coat pockets and your literal world comes to a chapped and crusty end. That sucks, you know, but what'll dry up and crack more, I wonder, those hands or the one perceiving them? (laughs) Really makes you think. Rare is the American human that prepares to hunker down the shelter, herd the cattle, stock up food supplies, repair their warm clothes, gather firewood, and, and rest the body and the mind and the spirit when the rest of the world, maybe not the rest of the world, the rest of your ecosystem is doing the same thing. They're saying, I'm, t- I'm, I'm done, buddy. Like, I'm going home. And you're sitting there like, what? Nah, nah, I still got to meet my quota for the end of this fiscal quarter. Like, shut up. Take a nap. Anyways, what is winter now to you? What is, what is winter to our lands? Is it any different now, like, objectively from hundreds of years ago? I don't know. I wasn't alive. But think about it. What's different about our psychological relationship with winter what do you have any thoughts on your own relationship with with the seasons and changing seasons and maybe there's some you hate maybe there's some you love maybe maybe you don't give a shit either way and that's okay are you annoyed when winter comes is it like oh man is it a is it a much needed relief and retreat from from being so full of life and of luster whether yourself or all the things around you. Winter's here, you know, whether we welcome her or not. Through clear treetops, we may now peer to gaze upon that which we forgot. That we forgot, or life forbade it, is hard to say, you know, hidden by her frenzy, bedridden by strife and sly envy, now we might come to light. October light, that is. Winter, in essence, demands the redirecting of energy from outside to inside, to out there and all those other worldly bodies to in here with you and your own body. The energy has to go there, and if it don't, you're going to die because you're going to run out of energy. What was previously too troublesome to attend to is now our biggest energy spender, our minds, ourselves, whatever and wherever that may be. No longer are we fueling up to go run and hike and jump and swim and work in the fields, all those things. We can't do that now. So all that energy potential that our bodies hold, where does it go? Where will you put it? Where will it get put for you? It's an interesting question. The brain uses most of the energy in the body, I'm pretty sure. And uh, what better recipe for sitting and sadly overthinking than uh, really short sunlight days and uh, not too much heat to go out and enjoy. You just got to sit inside and do nothing, like Bo Burnham style, some COVID lockdown type stuff. Is that what winter is now? Is winter COVID lockdown energy? I don't know. Some people maybe. Some people maybe that never left. Maybe that came and has maintained. It's a scary thing. Our bodies are taking a break from cooling us down, and hopefully they've enjoyed that brief little autumn reprieve of kind of nice, cool temperatures, you know, not too much heating up, not too much cooling down. But pretty soon, they're going to be, I mean, they're already getting back to work to, to keep us warm now. So this is a real, it's a real thing. If you didn't have any answers to the question of what changes for you, 
let this be an answer. Your body and all the energy you consume is no longer trying to keep you cool enough. It's trying to keep you hot enough. And that's a, it's a, it's a, it's opposite side of the same coin. You know, does that mean anything to you? Maybe not. You're like, oh, obviously cool. I don't even know if it means anything to me, but I'm bringing it up because it feels like, it feels interesting. It feels like there's, there's potential for something there. You know, what, what am I warming up? Am I warming up my gallbladder, my intestines? Am I warming up my spirit? Am I warming up my heart? Am I warming up my relationships? Am I warming up my my coziness, my family? Am I gonna or or am I gonna be cold? Am I gonna be distant? Am I gonna be bitter? It, it's interesting how we we can just like you can, you can, you can just you make a Venn diagram of like all the similarities between like anything nature wise and humans and like God damn it I can't see anything different. It's just like uh, maybe that's my curse, but it, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy, bro. Like we can have the same traits as a season. And is <laughs> did we did we create that comparison, or did we just develop enough to pull it out of the ether, pull it out of of beingness? I don't know, bro. I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here, like, damn, damn. Let me sip my coffee. cold now because I've been talking for 45 minutes straight. Does it give you a fright? The going away of warm and starry nights and the coming dismay of colds and fluey flights? Fluey fights? Damn it. The mind denying what the body knows, some, some sniffing from frozen noses and some more slipping on dozing toeses. All your systems shut down like icy hoses, ever vying for a warm-up with some spicy hoses. Always lying lies so loathsome. We phonies for real, dude. We phonies. Never, ever lying by our lonesome. But we're lonely still. We're lonely still. On these placid winter night mind treks, splashing through the quiet like, no, no, I might not want to die yet. I, what drugs have I not tried yet? Whose gifts must I still buy yet? How many more dimes can I time bet? These questions and more too relentlessly pour through each and every pore of me and of you, maybe, maybe not, eating me up like soylent green, burying our richness under it all, like the soil and green beneath uh, that first snowfall, which came really early this year. It was like mid-November. I woke up. I thought I slept through two weeks. There was like three inches of snow on the ground. I was like, what the friggin' heck? I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready for that. But when are we ready for that? Everyone's like, oh, snow cannot come late enough this year. I don't want that. Like, what? It's crazy that we have, like, this mass. Like, childhood amnesia is a whole thing. Like, none of us can remember our childhood. That's crazy. But, like, seasonal amnesia, like, bro, every year we're saying the same things over and over again. Oh, I don't think it was this cold last year. It was definitely hotter this last year. What do you know, bro? Are you the Ben Franklin almanac? I don't think so. It just is what it is, you know? Like, Sure, the climate's changing, but ain't no way 2019 and 2021 going to have different temperatures because of climate change, bro. It's not that specific, precise. Like, it's big. It's bigger than us. So just, like, roll with it, bro. Like, oh, it's cold today. That's fun. Put some gloves on. Oh, it's hot today. What a treat. Like, people trying, people trying to take the magic away from seasons. People trying to say that, oh, it's February and it's 60 degrees. Climate change. No, bro. Life is just interesting. 
It's interesting as hell. Sure, we might all die from heat death one day or cold death, who's to say, but it's interesting. There's a lot going on. Like, let's be open to it, right? Like, stop oh, complaining about the winter. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to end that. I'm trying to get done with that. So many, some of the happiest people in this freaking world, all they know is winter, bro. Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, I think. Some, those people would be some of the happiest on earth. And they have winter most of the year. So you cannot tell me that winter is depressing, bro. Winter is so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so anyways. Um, yeah, like who are we Who are we to reject winter? Whether like verbally or, or emotionally or like physically reject it and like move away. Who are we to do that? Who are we to reject nature's time off? Bro, we always talking about wanting more PTO and better work, work-life work balance. Let nature have that too. You can't argue for something and then say, no, 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 no. They, they, they can't have it either. Like, let nature have it. And by invert, let yourself have it. You are nature. Nothing else matters. Well, shut up. You are the natural world. You are the cool, cold air that you're breathing in. That is you. Nothing you can't swap it out for anything else. You can't be like, well, it made you, bro. It made you. I got to stop saying bro because, like, that is not <laughs> not the vibe. But, like, we we are inseparable from, from the land that raised us. Like, that's, that's what, that's what <laughs> you know, like, who are you to place your mental well-being above the reprieve of millions of species toiling to survive all the time? Like, all the time. The level of effort that needs to be exerted from like a modern American to stay alive is is crazy. I mean, I have no point of comparison, but it feels like it'd be crazy. Anyways, there's this song I like that just came out recently. It's um by Gene Dawson. It's called No Seasons, and he spells seasons S-Z-N-S, which is slick, because guess who's also on the song? SZA, which is by Z-A. Season, SZA, no season, come on. It's good. Um, And I was, as I was like, you know, developing this, Christ, it's been 50 minutes already? I gotta, okay, bear with me. So the song opens, and I'm not gonna sing it, because... His voice is one and only. Not that I couldn't, but his voice is one and only. I wouldn't do it justice. But he opens the song saying, I decided I don't like fall. I decided summer doesn't feel the same anymore. And winter makes me melt, makes me use my shell and melt myself. It's a little more minimal than that. I threw some contractions in there just to make it uh, legible. So as I'm like pondering these ideas of like our relationship with the changing seasons and oh do we see the passage do we accept the passage of time and of 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 whatever right he just he says you know i don't like fall and summer doesn't feel the same and i really liked that sentiment of just expressing the the sudden awareness of like whoa what's what like where did the excitement for summer go like i was a kid for a while and it used to be every summer i get school off but now once you enter the real world you're like oh my god life just continues on and on and on and with no breaks no breaks whatsoever no built-in breaks what how are you supposed to do that i don't know if that's where he's coming from but that's what made me think of you know and and winter makes me melt myself makes him use his shell and melt himself and i thought that was really 
oh, beautifully said because winter, you know, we said things freezing up, right? But he says melt. So he's he's not going freezing point. He's not going water to ice. He's going ice to water. He's melting. So whether that's a good or bad thing, who's to say? But it's it's true that it carries this potential to alter our properties, right? Like water, water is water form, liquid form. You drink it, life bringer, right? But if it's frozen form, maybe you slip, crack your head open, and die. Maybe if it's gaseous form, there's too much in the atmosphere, and then carbon uh, greenhouse gas effect goes crazy, and then everyone dies. You know, it's like water is this crazy life bringer and life taker, depending on what form it's in. And in the same way, human beings can be life bringing or life sucking in 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 both their human relationships, human habitats, and also natural habitats. We can suck the life and the goodness out of things or add so much to it depending on our orientation depending on our properties and who we are and our are we cold are we bitter are we distant are we warm are we buttery are we savory like oh these it's so so good i don't know i don't know so anyways um that's part one of the the line that i'm sharing with you and then he goes on to say in the spring, you can't hear a thing. All the birds and bees, nobody think. In the summertime, people off the brink. Great. So in the spring, you can't hear anything. There's there's birds and there's bees and there's so much life. And that's how I took it. Like, you can't hear yourself. Maybe yourself or others. Like, there's so much noise. Life brings noise. Life is movement and motion and vibration. And vibration is sound. And, you know, that's what we all, we be vibrating and stuff, you know. But nobody thinks that in the summertime, people are off the brink. You can be on the brink of despair. But if you're off the brink, like, you are, you're past that. Like, nobody's helping you because you're, you're down over the cliff edge. Like, nobody sees you anymore. And he's acknowledging. Nobody thinks that people can be terrible in the best part of the year. The, the seasons socially and... and collectively we almost say oh thank god things are looking up now that it's getting warmer maybe not bro maybe it is perfectly timed where everything in your life is falling apart right as everything is getting nicer out and that's a fascinating thing because we our emotions and our moods are just like everything else is tied to the natural world if you wake up off a four-day stretch of depression not doing anything and then it's beautiful out Maybe that sinks you further and you want to reject it, but maybe it brings you out of the hole. And it's a fascinating power that that, that has. Just the just perceiving perceiving weather can make or break your day and your week and your month. Like that's an it's an, an insane thing that we just take for granted. So he says that, you know, like let's realize that we can still be terrible in the best times. And does that make people get neglected? Who knows? Summer is the highest month of crime and all these things. Like, is that because of the weather? Is it because of how we feel? Who's to say? But he completes this thought. In California, where he's from, we ain't got no seasons. It's all the same to me because in the heat, we like to press repeat. Every day is every day. And I love this. I love it because I've never experienced living in a climate that's the same all the time, at least consistently for a long enough time to actually get that sense. But... Like he's, we don't have changing seasons where I live. It's just, you know, each day is the same to me. There's no change. There's no new mystique coming with this new season. There's no exiting and entering. Every day is every day. In the heat, we press repeat. And 
maybe that's maybe that's ideal for some people but as someone who it seems like he's never experienced my situation a, a new england type situation and i've never experienced his and here i am saying like let's stop let's stop rejecting winter and 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 you know allow it to allow it to alter our lifestyle allow it to alter our mood and our emotions and the things we focus on and he's acknowledging that you know like it's it's almost impossible to look at things differently you don't see you don't get that nice closed chapter all right summer chapter is closed summer 2023 done now welcome winter new outfits new foods new things new activities he doesn't get that he it's just the same year round because it's always nice and you can always do the same things and so it's almost as if he's coming from the other side questioning the the validity of that so it's just this beautiful wow like humans and and our, our what like what i don't even i don't know i don't know there's no he's saying like every there's no interruption in the routine there's no rest and reprieve and that's so important we all know how important that is and it's interesting because obviously you know humans have lived in all sorts of climates successfully but how does how does our in america so i gotta bring myself back because you know the whole world's different it's crazy but in America, we have such a large landmass with so many different biomes. We have deserts, high mountains, low, flat grasslands. We have, you know, in one corner and in another corner, it's super hot and, and, and thunderstorms, waves, oceans, and, you know, people buried under snow with no electricity. Like the scope of the American social culture is so different at all times, so much in part because of our, our seasons and the places that the loudest voices inhabit. L.A. and New York City, very different biomes different climates of course the people are gonna do different things feel differently it's 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 exciting it gives variety and you know what they say variety be the spice of life so let's welcome variety let's welcome the new england winters let's say hell yeah can't wait for another one i'm gonna get so introspective get on my get on my soup and hot chocolate bag and just like be warm it's great. It's great, I think. I, and you can tell I'm trying to convince myself because I'm a hater too. Like, no, I have bad circulation and bad skin. And every year I get rashes and my toes get purple. And it's just this whole, it's suffering. It's suffering. I don't, obviously we don't want suffering, but obviously I can't change the seasons. And obviously I don't have the money to just op, go to Florida for six months. So it's, it's, you know, you know, huh. Beautiful, beautiful. <clears throat> I kind of like, I kind of just made this little mood board, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, of different like words and things that I want to say. So I'm a little scattered here, but I feel like I'm, 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 I'm trying to, trying to paint a, paint an abstract painting. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to let you know what this is because I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm doing. Goodness gracious, been an hour. All right. Um, so like, do I read all these words? I don't know. I don't know. The absence of, of luster and beauty across our whole field of view, right? So now you go outside and, and there's no green, there's no chirps. There's not, well, there's some chirps. There's just not as much. There's a lot less happening visually, smell wise, audio wise. Um, but what this does is it, it brings a spotlight to what little beauty remains and it amplifies it. 10 times over. So for example, the other day I was watching this cluster of Cardinals and a, uh, a bustling Blue Jay or two. They're having some very lively debating along with maybe some mating. 
They fluttered around some dead bushes for a little while. They're chirping. I say, Dad, come over. Look at this. It's cool. And these beautiful three red cardinals, uh, males, I believe, and then three females, and they're all running around. And I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're having a cookout. But it was just like all I could see was this beautiful red amongst dead branches and nothing. And it, it just it struck me like, wow. Maybe a few months ago, I'd be like, oh, that's a beautiful little cardinal. But now this cardinal was the only thing worth looking at in my field of view. And it made me appreciate that little guy so much more, those little fellas. And, and because they're still out here, I'm like, it's cold out. What are you doing out here? And, but they don't care. They're like, yeah, this is life. This is life. I'm not going to complain. So why are you complaining, human, with fur clothes and heat? Like, what? Crazy. I'll, I'll be damned if that cardinal wasn't 10 times as beautiful, boldly bloodying the barren branches with its deep and proud reds. Like, what? Who made that, bro? I don't know. And then I was hiking in the White Mountains a couple of times this winter, too. And that was something I haven't done in a while. Like, winter hiking. Like, spikes on my shoes and ice traversals. But but it was beautiful. Once you get to the top and the tree line lowers and all the branches are dead, but there's these all these red berries at the tips of these dead dead trees. Not dead, but just sleeping, you know. And it just adds this whole nother pop and, and zest to a landscape. And what the hell else are we doing here if not, you know, enjoying those little little moments? But it, it as much beauty in life as it takes away, what winter does is it just makes us, it allows us to appreciate what remains and to see how, despite all appearances, life is not gone. It's just taking a freaking break. And then it'll come back and it'll somehow be even more beautiful than before because it's gotten this chance to rest and recover and re 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 rehydrate, reflourish, whatever. But it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And overall, across ecosystems, the the energy tide is receding. Right? You know, we spent our time on the uh, sun side of the axis, and now we're letting the other guys have a turn. We're gonna go on the other side and tilt the other way and get a little colder. And that's the way it's got to go. Um, but the, the creatures still left on the sands and in the tide pools are scrambling to gather and maintain what little life-bringing resources remain. They're preparing to face the winter, using determination and careful preparation more than anything. And after all, what else do they have? What else do we have? I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Winter... It holds the, the potential to be one of the most beautiful times of the year. Beauty, it, it's, it's, yeah, let me bring up beauty now an hour in. What the hell? You know, but um, it, it finds itself, like, we think, we find beautiful things, like, we can all agree, like, isn't it interesting that we can agree on what's beautiful? Like, you know, obviously there's some discourse, but like, this is, you know, this isn't beautiful, but, 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 but overall, we think that in things that endure, things that are tenacious, things that have a, a struggle story, those are the most beautiful, right? That's why, like, on those talent shows, every time someone's, maybe they're blind or, or deaf or something, but they're phenomenal singers or pianists, like, we love that. We love overcoming the odds. And one of my favorite quotes that I can't remember where I heard it from, but it simply, very simply, matter-of-factly said, beauty is in despite of. In despite of this, this still flourishes, this still remains. And that is where beauty resides often. 
And, you know, think, for example, those pictures of like a barren wasteland or city street, but you have this one little flower growing up from a crack in a sidewalk. Why is that picture more beautiful maybe to some than a field of flowers? Because despite the death and the barrenness and the lack of life, life still remains. Despite not having two legs, this person still became a world-renowned gymnast. That is beautiful. We love that. So despite going through a time when things are dark and cold and gloomy and and dry, we can still fill ourselves and others with life and luster and, and vigor and just freaking good vibes, man, you know, you know? So I guess this brings me to um, an ending point here. And I, I don't know... I just I just black out all the time whenever I start talking about things. You know how let me just let me just be honest. You know how hard, you know how difficult it has been for me to sit here and do this? Don't get me wrong, I've been having so much fun this past hour and six minutes. So much fun, but it was a struggle. It is a struggle to get here, to stay here right now, to continue talking and to have you know confidence in what i'm saying like there's so many moments where i doubt and i question i second guess and i say like i have something written down does that make sense does that read right am i am i coming across the way i want to come across and it's been you know it's so hard to shed that and that that i'm like pre-critical of my own anything that i do uh um for what? For whose sake? I don't know, but it's it's there and it's vicious at times, absolutely vicious. And it it can be so discouraging and so limiting. It's like I it's like I'm living in this little box that keeps shrinking and shrinking each time I go to make something and I say, No, no, I can't, I can't. Oh, it's not that's not good. And it shrinks me further into this box. And I'll be honest, like as I'm as I'm talking here I mean probably like 10 minutes in I hit this runner's high and I was just I'm like this is this is so fun I love doing this and um I I'm just I'm I'm grateful to be able to and to like even the imagination that someone's like sitting here listening and and being like oh yeah I hear what you're saying like it's crazy it's bringing tears to my eyes and (laughs) it's just like thinking about all the all the work or either literal work or just like mental work, like thought work, just pushing through mental barriers, all that effort. It's funny how it can just evaporate like in a second. You're like, what did I even do that for? Like, what was I worrying about? And that's how I feel right now, I think. Um, and and that's how I want, that's how I want to go into this winter of like, okay, like, yes, it's, there is going to be struggle there. There will be inevitable difficulties that just come with the times. It comes with the seasons. It comes with the person, the relationship, whatever it is. There will be this coldness and this darkness and this dryness to things. But despite that, you still hold the potential. You still hold the perspective to be able to take that summer heat, that warmth that beauty that color that lives still inside of you and lives still inside of me and all of us you have the ability to bring that forward at any time and and 
even if it never comes forward or if it doesn't come forward as soon as you think it's still there and that's what nature and and her seasons can teach us because every year like suckers we are collectively wowed by the trees and by the birds and the bees and the mountains and we can throw away the skis and pick up the 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 skateboards and the rollerblades and the hiking boots and we can just do it without a second thought and we have that confidence that we'll get another rest we'll get another dark time and then another light time will come and that's how shit works and it sucks because everything in our world now is telling us otherwise it's it's everything's pointing to this is perfect. This is things need to be in their final form. Things need to be best all the time, optimized all the time. We are not machines. We are not codes that you can just input and output and get the job done. We are vastly complicated, emotional, rich, spiritual beings with so many different needs that change depending on our life circumstances, depending on our uh, uh, environmental situation so many things are at play and and winter is here as a reminder that you can slow down and and being still in all senses of the word is okay whether physically right now being still or career stillness stagnation it's it's a part of processes that are so far beyond our individual understanding, but it's it's okay. And that's big, you know, that's big. It, it's amazing how just a little little shifts in perception of things can change your whole experience of them. And I'm still learning that in my own life and seeing how it can manifest and whatnot. But that's all to say that, that just be grateful. And and I'm saying that to myself more than anything. Like Christ the things we get to do despite the circumstances we may find ourselves in, whether that's a physical weather, climate-related one, or, or a family circumstance, things that, things that seem so pressing, so overarchingly powerful in our lives that we couldn't possibly overcome, somehow, some way, things still do. People still have, and people still will. And the birds and the bees and the plants and the animals, everything will still come back despite this season of death and this season of quiet everything's still waiting around the corner and with all that in mind i want to return to october light and um close with another excerpt from it because interestingly enough that first bit i read was towards the beginning of the book and this second bit is towards the very end of it and it's two of the only really times that it talks about the land in such an intimate way because most of this book is about people and um, this particular passage, most of these words are being said by a gentleman who is in a hospital having just recovered from a heart attack. And he's being visited by one of the main characters who was largely at fault for his heart attack for reasons that are irrelevant to this podcast. But this main character is sitting next to this hospital bed watching his friend come to terms with the inevitability of his own death. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful because it, it shows that despite 
this person who just, <laughs> he, he is accepting death. He is ready. He's on the doorstep. And he still finds beauty and reprieve. And um, yeah, so without further ado, let me just read it, okay? Once again, um, yeah, October Light, John Gardner, great book. Buy it or find it in a free box. <clears throat> People scoff, and this is going to be long. <laughs> so I'm going to be done right after, I promise. Okay, let me just, this is, it's a very old book and the cover is like really pretty, but it's also very um, fragile. So I'm trying to manipulate the pages in a way that's not going to ruin everything for me. Obviously, you don't care about the cover, but I do. So without further ado, Mr. Ed, this is who's talking. Ed says, people scoff at TV. I believe you do, James. But let me tell you, we don't vote like we used to. Whole country could be swayed by a tame white bear or one time three horses that supposedly could talk. It was fun by Tunket, but it's over. The world's grown up. People are thinking it and arguing like they never did previous to this present age. And it's the idiot box, more than anything else, that made it happen. Well, I'll miss the election. He shook his head, opening his eyes for a moment, then letting them close again. James gazed out at the monument, waiting, hoping for something. He could hardly have said what. He wiped his wet eyes. I'll tell you something. Other things I'll miss if you ask me. James stirred himself to ask, but Ed went on. I'll miss walking out these last days of October, when the land's dying and the sky's over sharp, and finding where the deer are on their hind legs picking wild apples. And I'll miss winter, by guard. I've never gotten over how much snow can fall in just five short months of winter. Never mind November, start with the dark time, December. Blackest month of the year it is, and steadily increasing in blackness as the month draws on. Vermont's a lot farther north than most people realize, you know. A man I knew left the state a few years ago and moved south. Where he went was Canada, city of London, Ontario, to be precise, which is 125 miles south of where he started, which was St. Albans, Vermont. If he'd gone on to Kingsville, he would have been 200 miles south, sweltering in the sun. But the darkness at least increases in a known and predictable way, and furthermore, by the end of the month, the days reach their shoddest and start growing again. The cold's trickier. Month begins gently, but one day... I've known it to be as early as the 5th and as late as the 20th. You wake up cold and pull up another blanket. No use. You're still cold. In the morning, you look at the thermometer and it's 8 below. Yesterday, the, wall the Walloom sack was open water. Today, it's solid ice. Then January. That's the month of the snow. I don't mean more snowfalls because it doesn't. So cold that even the clouds lock up tight. But there's snow there always, not a speck of bare ground, nothing alive but some deer and rabbits and snowmobiles. He opened his eyes to meet James's. A lot of people don't care much for snowmobiles, he said accusingly, and I grant you they're loud, besides nocturnal, but I tell you this, I used to go looking at the scenery around my place on skis or snowshoes, now I just walk in the snowmobile tracks. Funny thing about snowmobiles, they're stupid little animals, but they know where the sights are better than a deer. Then February. The days are longer then. The sun is higher. The snow's more dramatic. An evening flurry will come down in huge, wet flakes, so thick and fast you're convinced in an hour your farm will be buried like Pompeii. But the flurry stops in ten minutes or so, 
leaving maybe two inches of good snowball snow, big feathery flakes. The mon and after, such a snow, as that is what gave rise to picture postcards in the first place. The sky is clear, air still and cold, but not too cold. From every chimney you see the smoke goes up straight as a stick. You pass through a valley with an unfrozen brook, and such vapor comes up through the 15 degrees that for 40, 50 yards on each side of it, the branches, the bob wire, the weeds that poke up through the snow are ah covered with jewelry. But I'll tell you what I'll miss more than ah the rest, and that's unlocking. Fools call it mud season, and I don't dare deny you there's a good deal of mud, because the first thing unlocks is the ground. I'll tell you the first sign. It's easily missed. Every year, one of the first four or five days in March is going to be warm and sunny, with the temperature rising for a little while to somewhere between 50 and 60. Look hard at a birch or red maple that day. You'll see a peculiar haze of color in the upper branches. Yellow on birch, red on a maple. Look again the next day and the color is gone. Nothing but dark bare branches and uh, likely a sleet storm. All the same, unlocking stotted. Dirt roads unlock first, the only ground not covered with snow. Each warm day, the top inch or two of road touched by the sun thaws. First car goes by, makes a couple of inch deep ruts that'll freeze by evening. You can pretty well count on getting stuck once or twice. I never count on it myself, but I always do. Rivers unlock next. The two I know best, the Walloomsack and the Hoosack, both start the same way. You first see two small streams running on top of the ice, one near each frozen bank. Then one day towards the middle of March, a patch of open water appears, then another. On the Walloomsack, which has a good many dams and slow water, the patches slowly enlarge for a week, until one day you notice an open channel with a line of ice flows sailing solemnly down the middle like Pharaoh's boats. Meanwhile, two other kinds of unlocking have started. One's the town meeting, where, you know yourself, what we mostly do is block progress, keep to our old covered bridges, for instance, though the richest and smartest people in town want concrete for their darn trucks and bulldozers. The other's done with a brace and a bit, and it's called sugarin'. The weather's capricious around sugarin' time. The more capricious, the better. The more Miss Spring dances in and uh, backs out again, the more syrup you get. People in cars get furious when they're stopped by a late, wet April snow, but in the sugar bush, that's a cause for rejoicing. Most of the season, you do well to get three, four inches of sap in the bottom of each bucket over 24 hours, but on the day of a sugar snow, your best buckets fill to the brim and run over. That night, you boil to midnight, and it seems like a holiday. That's a life, James, I'll tell you. Not as if you didn't know, standing out there in the maple grove, counting up your buckets like a banker, and looking out over the hills as the whole world outside and inside unlocks. First, the pussy willows come, and the rivers run emerald green. Then the deer come out, and after a winter of eating just tree buds and not too many of even them, they're mad for grass. They come boldly into the fields to eat last year's withered stems. One morning last April, I saw 14 of the things in the pasture behind my house. Then the robins arrive, sometimes in flocks of two or three hundred, brightening the bare brown southern cants. About the same time, spring peepers start up. Then fields begin to green. Some reason the green always appears first where the snows melted last. And one day after the first green tips appear, the first woodchuck pops up. 
Woodchucks are great gourmet, I'll tell you, and they ain't about to eat that old winter-killed hay the way deer do. In April, their brown fur has reddish glints to it, and for a couple of weeks until the grass gets long or some neighbor's son comes out with his twenty-two rifle, they dot the fields like flowers. By that time, of course, it's no longer unlocking time. It's spring. I'll miss that, this year, or anyway, take pot in it in a way I never did before, but I can't complain. He smiled. James, how come you're listening to all this? <laughs> James thought about it. <laughs> and uh, for context, he has a lisp from a severely damaged face in a fight and car crash. James thought about it and says, because, he said at least, if true. <laughs> and that's how it's written, by the way. He's got a lisp. Ed's smile widened. That's what I tell my Ruth, he said. She's got good poems and bad poems, and she'll swear on the Bible she can't tell which is which. I explained to her only the good poems are exactly true. Like a good window thash, James said, or horth. That's it, Ed said. You got it. Yeah, that one really gets me every time. That one gets me every time. I was like re... I went on another journey rereading that. Um, why are you listening to this? Because it's true. <laughs> like, what a, what a bar. What a bar. What they're doing... I said I was done, but I... You know. What, to me, what, what James and Ed just did there. Ed said all that junk. And then James said, yeah, that's true. That's why I listened. And it's, it, we have this amazing ability to, to know truth and untruth, despite all the things that, you know, people talk about these days. I'm not going to get into that, but truth and untruth. And, and what is truth? Is there a cosmic truth? Is, is there some, you know, truth particle that, you know, you can tap into and, and, you know, see what's going on, but just, the simpleness, the, the truth of the matter is the world changes. The truth of the matter is seasons will never stop seasoning. And the truth of the matter is humans will never stop uh, uh, being succumbed to the woes and, and wonderful things of those seasons. That's just the truth. And so what's left is for you to, to, to carve your own truth somewhere in there wherever it may be, and uh, maybe that means burying in and saying, you know, screw winter, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe you find something else, and you tell something someone else about it, and then, you know, they find something, and then they go, oh, this person told me about this, and I found this, and I want to share that. It's just, it's, it's, there's, there's truth. There's truth somewhere, I think. Um, so maybe there's some here in everything I've just said, and, and maybe there's not, and that's the only one that can decide that is you and I, I suppose. But um, once again, truly, from the bottom of my heart, actually, no, I don't really care that much. <laughs> it's totally just, see, that's the learned thing too. Just, thank you to my viewers and listeners. I don't care. This isn't for you. It's not for you. It's for me. And that's how I'm trying to be for real. So... Yeah.
cut it there.